0: it's 920 you well, are this AFM 104 to 107 coming up in the last half hour of the show we are going to be talking to the Fabulous one and only Msaki will be playing some of her music. We'll also chat to the choreographer and dancer, Christy Lee Grease, who's performing with her on Friday, February the 25th. That's next Friday, and that really does promise to be quite a fabulous event at the Lyric Theatre. So we'll find out about that show, what that show is going to entail and the likes. But uh, earlier on in the show, I mentioned the fact that we were going to talk about fish stocks and how we talk about fish in the oceans we were talking about the fact that the um, uh, the Australian company an Australian company had just had an interdict against them and that they can't do any seismic uh, bombing or not bombing but in the water etc because of the requests of and, and, and the case the case that was brought against them by small fishes on the Western Coast um, West Coast of South Africa, so we wanted to find out a bit more about a story that came out in the conversation and it focuses on how African countries need to start focusing and looking at their fish stocks and protecting their fish stocks from fishermen and women and large scale fishes all around the world, including the European Union on the line we have Dr ifesinahi uh, Okafor-Yarwood, Yarwood who is a lecturer at um, Of Sustainable Development at the University of St Andrews at the UK. Doc, thanks so much for joining us. I understand that you are at an airport in Sweden but uh, we appreciate you making the time. Thank you so much for having me. Good morning. So this was such an interesting article and it kind of came up at the exact same time as we were uh, following a story with um, community fishermen on the west coast of South Africa and the challenges that they have with regards to, A, um, the the seismic blasting, but also I suppose one can look at the issue of uh, large-scale fishing globally and how that impacts Africa. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Um, So, again, thank you so much for having me. The reason why um, it is open for African government to talk about, at least look at um, the activities of large-scale Vessels from distant water fishing nations or entities like the European Union or nations like China, South Korea, Japan, Russia, and other countries is that the impact or the essence to which um, fisheries is depleting is very, very extensive. And there are so many factors. So, for example, you have the impact of oil pollution affecting um, fish stock or fisheries sustainability, you have the impact of climate change affecting fishery sustainability, especially currently in West and Central African countries. You have the impact of ocean development. So, for example, um, expansion of um, offshore infrastructure like oil exploration or ports affecting fisheries population and affecting small-scale fishes and their traditional fishes. And so if we start from trying to at least solve the problem of exploitation from um, industrial sector, it makes it a lot easier to at least show the artisanal fishers who are currently affected and out of pocket and not getting any support from the state to see that the government is taking action and actually um, interested in in, in their livelihoods and sustaining their livelihoods.
0: So, Dr. Okafoya would you talk about artisanal fishers? Let's break down the difference between those artisanal fish, fishers and large-scale fishers, fishermen, and fishing. Uh, organizations?
1: So artisanal fishers or small-scale fishers are the local fishers who might um, usually explore the inshore areas, that is sometimes zero to up to 12 nautical miles, depending on the country, whilst the industrial sectors are usually trawlers, big um, vessels from distant water fleets, that might have access to fish in respective coastal states, either through licensing or um in the case of the European Union, for example, is through Sustainable Fisheries Partnership Agreement and also sometimes through what we call beneficial ownership, whereby um, a, a company that is abroad can um, invest with, um, in an, a, a country on the African continent and front that African company As the owner, when in fact they are the ones that own the profit and everything is exported to that country. So, this is at least a clear difference. But importantly, about 80%, or should I say, yeah, about 80% of the fisheries that is produced on the African continent, most countries on the African continent, is produced by the artisanal fisheries. And this fish is is sort of used locally to feed about, or should I say, contribute to the food security of about 200 million Africans. And so, apart from the economic Components of it, their contribution is significant to the food security of the African continent, and this is at least one of the reasons why it is urgent for uh, the government of the African continent to sustain their livelihood.
0: I mean, we talk about artisanal fishermen, and then of course large um, fishing companies. I imagine that the difference in how they fish is is something very striking. And probably what's one of the issues that should be raised as well, simply because I imagine the scale is completely different.
1: Yeah, of course. So apart from the fact that um, the industrial fishers use big vessels and the mode of um, extracting the resources can be quite harmful, even when they are not doing it illegally. So um, they might trawl the bottom of the ocean and um, extract juvenile, which they later discard. So they don't actually use these juveniles mm. that they extract, but then this also have implication on the sustainability of the particular stocks. And the fact that they discard it on the ocean means that it also contributes to pollution. So on the other side of the argument, you have the artisanal fishers who are mostly sustainable in the way that they um, extract their resources because of the um, small scale nature of it, of course. There are also, I mean, elements of unsustainability for small-scale fishes because they might use um, chemicals that is not allowed or poison mm. to extract fishes. And we are seeing even increasingly now that small-scale fishes are using illegal or yeah illegal tools to also extract resources because it's, it's now about competition. It is us versus them. And, and when they mm. see that... I mean, when it comes to enforcing or trying to enforce regulation, we're seeing increasingly that African governments are targeting the already vulnerable, disabled, to resist and move most visible um, small-scale fishers, and continuing this um, business-as-usual nature with um, uh, of um, engaging with industrial fishers, perhaps because of the, the foreign revenue that they they get from the agreements or the licenses.
0: Talk about some of those agreements that have been made, the diversity that we know that there are some agreements which are contributing to coastal states. But what are those agreements and how successful have they been, for example, in relation to how they favor maybe the EU or um, the, um, some of the Asian countries with regards to our own African states?
1: Um, so I think if you want to talk about the benefit, I think the outright benefit, of course, is that you would say that it generates economic revenue for coastal states because of the fact that unfortunately, a vast majority of the countries on the continent do not have the capacity to extract the resources themselves, and so they they sell licenses to do some of the nation nations that are willing to extract those resources so, in the case of um maybe countries from asia they they are able to sort of sign. Make some arrangement that allows their vessels to extract resources. Then, in the case of entities like the European Union, they sign um, sustainable fisheries partnership agreements. On balance, the reality is, of course, that the amount that is paid either for these licenses or this agreement a lot of the time scale into insignificance when compared to what is actually extracted. We're exactly. not talking about illegal, unreported, and unregulated fishing component of the activities of some of these vessels, but in terms of how much our government actually gets for these licenses, how much they get for these agreements, is not a lot in comparison to um, what is extracted. Perhaps this is because of power imbalance, or perhaps this is because of the fact that um, there is a lack of uh, transparency in how this agreement is is reached or licenses are sold. To the point that even when we acknowledge the economic benefit of it, we cannot sometimes trace how the money has been utilised whether it has it, it has been sort of um, reinvested into the communities that might be affected by the activities of this industrial vessels. so on balance the benefit is, is that it contributes to economic revenue but because of the fact that we the amount we get for it and of course uh, the the mm-hmm. challenge of lack of ability to monitor the activities of the vessels means that a lot of the time these vessels then engage in illegal fishing, illegal or unregulated fishing, which so many, for so many countries, a lot of Asian um, companies have been implicated and also increasingly a lot of countries from the European Union have been implicated as well.
0: I suppose, um, and not being an expert on this, but I imagine... That there's a couple of challenges even around fishing zones, and the like, because um, an artisanal fisher who is fishing for sustainability may very well only be fishing within a certain zone, whereas um, uh-huh. larger scale fishers would be outside of that zone, and and I imagine that boundary lines are sort of completely. Uh, fluid, so to speak, (laughs) when it comes to the ocean, and that's very difficult to deal with.
1: Yeah, of course, that is very difficult to deal with, coupled with the fact that, like I mentioned, um, a lot of coastal states do not have the capacity to monitor, control and survey the vessels operating Mm. in their waters. But even the complexity is that a lot of the illegal fishing that is done by vessels that have the legal um, authorization to fish in coastal trade across the African continent, it involves the encroachment of inshore areas. This is the area that is reserved for artisanal fishers. And, and quite recently, and this is something that is very important, and maybe something that should motivate African countries to the um, African Union, for example, to really look into ensuring that the maritime boundary is clearly deline- delineated, at least for the sake of... Um, um, Averting future security challenges mm. or issues like that. So, for example, in 2019, um, an NGO coalition for fair fisheries agreement and others alerted the European Union about um, um, the inaction of the Italian government to address an issue of illegal fishing by Italian vessels off um, in, in Sierra Leone. And so, yeah. this was in 2019. By 2021, um, European um, Union, they responded, the legal team responded that it was difficult to ascertain whether these vessels were in fact engaging in illegal fishing due to lack of clear delineated boundaries. I mean, as powerful as the EU is, this is of course setting precedents because tomorrow. A Chinese vessel can be accused of doing the same thing, given that, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of illegal fishing involves encroachment of inshore areas. The fact mm. that this precedent has been set means that another country, another vessel can make the same argument and there's nothing they can do. Unfortunately, however, we're seeing increasingly... Um, Artisanal fishers across the continent really being very angry, and we're seeing clashes between them and industrial vessels because they feel, well, perhaps it, the onus is on us now to protect our resources. So, we've seen in previous years, artisanal fishers in Sierra Leone clashing with Chinese vessels. We've seen also um, artisanal fishers clashing with um, trawlers in Ghana, mm. in, in Nigeria, and other countries. So, unless something radically different and urgent is done to protect, fisheries resources on the continent, at least especially those involving the illegal incursion by industrial vessels, we are unfortunately likely to see an increase in conflict between um artisanal fishers and industrial fishers. And you, you never really know how far this is going to, to 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 get to, especially if you take into account the fact that um a lot has been written about the connection between um illegal um um toxic waste dumping by foreign vessels and illegal yeah. by foreign vessels off the coast of Somalia and pirates the Sea.
0: It's, it's a fascinating conversation and certainly one that obviously, as you know, it requires massive systemic change. Thank you so much for joining yeah. us uh, and we travel safely from uh, the airport.
1: <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me and, and I hope that, I mean, our government would think differently about ensuring the livelihoods of the well, let's, hope that that,
0: do, the African let's hope that uh, our minister, Barbara Creasy, is listening and that she really does participate in this debate. That's Dr. Okafor Yawood, who is a lecturer in Sustainable Development at the University of St. Andrews in the UK. Uh, really, really good conversation. And uh, if you want to find out more about a talking of conversations, that particular story you can find on a website called theconversation.com. It's a wonderful Website and uh, a lot of uh, academic papers, but very academic and practical papers as well. Theconversation.com and uh, something well worth watching. So, it's nine thirty-five, and I promised Musaki, so here goes.